All right, what's up, everybody? This is David Jagno from TheCoalition.com, senior editor, and this is episode 19 of Turn-Based, our RPG-focused podcast. I'm here joined with my usual co-host and a new special guest. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary Swaby from The Coalition. Oh, hello. I'm the special guest. My name is Colton Timmons. Uh, I also go by Chocolate Thunder, the Boy Wonder. It's nice to be here. Yep, just to let everyone know, Colton is the black one, definitely. Yeah. All right, since I know that we have a legion of dedicated followers, I'm sure you guys have missed us. It's been almost two months since our last episode. A lot of stuff has gone on during these past two months. It's in gaming and in our lives in general. So this is probably going to be a very top-heavy podcast, a lot of stuff at the beginning. Um so I guess first, we can just kind of talk about what we've been doing outside of games, since a lot of stuff has gone on. Um, I guess for me personally, I first of all graduated, then I moved, then I started a new job, and yeah. So you might hear some interruptions, because I uh, live in a house with family now, so it's fairly busy. And... Yeah, a lot of games have been going on, too. So, I guess, what have you guys been up to? Well, I mean, I I didn't graduate. I failed that a long time ago, and uh, I already have a crappy job, so I don't really have any news there, and you all probably don't really care because you all know me. But uh, right now, I've just been uh, I've been writing some different things. I'm, like, writing some short stories. Uh, I'm, like, getting people drunk at my job and playing video games and uh, petting my cat. And, uh, you know, five prostitutes and all that jazz. That's all I got, really. The image of American happiness right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm living yeah, the American that's... dream. You yeah, know. He's, he's living life. Yeah, Fourth of July, I was right there. I got two prostitutes. You know, they have beers in their hands, waving the American flag. There's an eagle perch. It was good. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I think of when I think of America. Yep. America. So how about you, okay. Gary? Uh, well... My life has been less exciting than yours. Um, the only thing I've really done is gone to E3, which is no big deal, really. Oh, well. But yeah, um, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that's fucking awesome. But whatever. <laughs> wow. But yeah, okay. I went. I went to E3 um, with a couple of the other guys from Coalition: Richard, Ed, and Jenny. So that was fun. Just hanging out in LA for a week, you know, attending press conferences and playing all the next-gen games and stuff. So, yeah, that was cool. And um, it will give us lots to talk about during the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah, people haven't been checking out The Coalition. Gary's written a lot of good previews for some upcoming RPGs. It seems like that's all you played at E3 were RPGs. Yeah, I tried to focus on RPGs because, you know, mainly because of the turn base. So, yeah, I played... um, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, Lightning Returns, um, Deep Dark Souls two, and a couple other things. So, yeah. And did you get to play um, Elder Scrolls Online, or did you just watch? Yeah, I played that. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, and The Witcher three, or did you just watch that one? The Witcher three wasn't playable, but we got a lengthy uh, presentation of the game, and you know um, I've got a preview on the website, so go check that out. But from what I saw, this is a Skyrim killer, so I really can't wait for that game to come out because it's like it's like um, 
a true testament of what where RPGs can go next generation. Nice. All right. Well, I think Colt and I are thoroughly jealous of you now. So I'd prefer if you oh, don't talk yeah. any more yeah. for the rest of the podcast because I okay. think you've said enough. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, for me, uh, I've been I've since the last episode I reviewed. Uh, a lot of different stuff. I can't even remember off the top of my head. I should have made a list. Um, remember Me. Um, that game I really liked a lot. I got some kind of mixed reviews, but I was a big fan, personally. Um, I reviewed Mars Warlogs. game was kind of meh. Not very good. Um, let's see. There was... Uh, most recently, I posted my review for Neverwinter. The MMO. We're going to talk about that some more later, but it's pretty great. It's, I mean, I in my review, I called it one of the best free-to-play MMORPGs ever made, and I stand by that. Uh, there's so much stuff to do in that game, and if, you know, it, a lot of MMOs, if they're free-to-play, you're constantly reminded that they're free-to-play because of you're getting bombarded with stuff from the from the cash shop, or, you know, you have to buy more content, or... You see other players running around, and you can tell that they paid money, and you're jealous, and you don't want to play anymore. But, you know, Neverwinter wasn't like that. Like, it seemed like the game was kind of designed with the player in mind, and I like that a lot. Oh, and most recently, um, I've been playing Last of Us. I wasn't able to be on the spoiler discussion, but I do have an article coming up that's going to be about Last of Us. Um, that wasn't, that's not an RPG, but it's one of the greatest games I've ever played, ever. I'm still super jealous of that you've gotten to play it, and I still need to buy it. Yeah, you really do. It's, yeah, you uh, need to hurry up and buy that one. Man, I really it's, do. Cause especially because you don't want that ending to be spoiled for you. I know, I, I, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, there's, like, coverage and, of it, and people have spoiler tags, and I just have to, like, nope, and I just close it, and I, like, Because I can I, I, promise that you will not expect that ending. Like, it's not, it doesn't change the way you look at life or something, you know? It's not like a <laughs> groundbreaking thing. It's not on the level of Fight Club even, but it is, you know, very unexpected. Then, let's see. Oh, Final Fantasy Thirteen. I finally started playing that again. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm at past Chapter 9 now. I think I'm at the beginning of Chapter 10. So I'm a little over 20 hours in. Um, really good. Are you still on the airship? Uh, there was a scene where they like got off the airship and commandeered some aircraft thing, and then they got into like a dogfight in the air, and then they just crash-landed in something, and that's where I'm at right now. Oh, damn, yeah. So you're further than I am, even. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so like, what do you think of the game so far? Because, you know, the, this game was heavily criticized. I understand where the criticisms are coming from. If you go into the game, like, whenever the game came out, if I had gotten it at whenever it first came out, I probably would have been disappointed because I wouldn't have known what to expect. I would have expected, yeah. like, another Final Fantasy X type game or even, like, 12 or just something that was similar to past games, and it's a lot different. So I can see why people were upset, but if you take it for what it is, it's really good. Like, that combat yeah. system is so fun. I like the leveling system. I like. I actually like the characters now. Some of them got on my nerves, but you know it's an RPG oh. and the characters grow. So I mean, yeah. I actually like the characters. The story is confusing, but 
whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, I didn't think the story was that confusing. Every time one of those uh, things pops up, like notes, if you read them, it's, it becomes a lot simpler. Yeah, I every but... Every one of those. It does get kind of irrit- irritating see, at times, though. That, that, that's the thing. Like, the way I view that system, like, for example, in Mass Effect, you could play through the game without opening up the codex, and you would understand everything that's going on. I feel like that system should be there to expand on the story, not to tell the story. That's fair. I just like it because it doesn't like you know you, none of the characters have to be stupid, and so there's this exposition of what's really going on. So I think it's better from like a storytelling standpoint, since they don't really have to come out and say like to the characters what's going on because they already kind of know what's going on and they kind of know the background and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels more authentic that way, but. For me, it just kind of makes it where there's a little bit of a learning curve. But that's not a bad thing, because once you do learn, it's actually a really detailed world, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think even, like, the fact that it's on rails and stuff a lot, and it, like, forces you to go through, like, a very narrow path and stuff also helps the story. And that's one thing I did like. I liked the way they kind of built the story and the world around, like, the gameplay and stuff like that. Rather, I guess they built the gameplay around the story and stuff rather than vice versa. Yeah, that, that's exactly what they did, because um, their whole excuse for not having towns and, you know, people to talk to is that, the story wouldn't warrant that. Like, yeah. you know, it wouldn't go with the story. Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense at all because the entire game they're basically on the run or literally at war. So it doesn't make sense that they would have little pit stops every couple hours to sleep in an inn and talk to townspeople. But yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. Um, I guess, what have you been playing, Colton? Um, I'm actually going through, uh, I kind of got on a Fallout kick. Uh, I was going through the forums and like people like talking about how awesome uh, Fallout One and Two were, and I like played a little bit of them before, but I've like gone through and now I'm actually at the last one that came out, Fallout New Vegas. So uh, uh, I've very much that's what I've been spending a lot of my gaming time doing. The first Fallout I thought was really cool, um, and then the second one are pretty much very similar. It's more of like a reading, but they do have a lot of cool skills and. Uh, they were put out when there was like a less PC aspect to gaming, and it was like more mature for PC games. So, if you're like a female, you can just sleep your way through any problem in the game, like literally. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, so it's more realistic. Yeah, like you need to get this. Like, I guess spoilers don't really matter, but you need to get this like one chip that like helps purify water and stuff, and. You can either, like, go through all this trouble and, like, have to sacrifice a person or kill them all or anything, or you can just sleep with the bandit leader, and then you just get it. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how, uh, like, I don't know, like, you know, Fallout, like, Fallout 3 and that, and Fallout New Vegas are, like, more, like, of an adult game. Like, you have an older, John, like, audience and stuff like that, but it is really weird to, like, go back to older games and see this cuff they kind of got away with that they wouldn't really get away with now. Yeah, a lot of that, I think, has to do... This is just a theory of mine, but I feel like whenever people rated games and made games back then, they were very text-heavy. Yeah. I'm assuming they probably did not comb through everything in the game. So, like, I think it's easier for for developers back then to get stuff through that you don't see nowadays, because nowadays everything's voiced. So I'm, I'm betting, you know, they can just, you know, tear through the content faster. They don't have to sit down and actually, like, read tons and tons of text. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess they could do that. I mean, I think it would be easier because then they could just have ask for like a text load out of the game and like search for like titties or Peter or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever they didn't want in the game. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I really like it. One of my f- cool, one of the coolest moments of it is uh, if you have a really low intelligence, like you're like a bumbling idiot in the game, the first one. And uh, you meet this village idiot, right? So if you play the game and you're an intelligent character, he sounds, like, really slow and you don't really understand what's going on. But if you play a low-intelligence character and talk to him, you'll have, like, a very civilized, like, gentlemanly conversation that, like, uses a lot of big words and stuff to kind of show that you both get each other really well. <laughs> and That's awesome. Yeah, to hear, like, you hear some guy go, to, like, you know, like, having, like you are a very gregarious society and all this other stuff it is a really nice little cool thing that I've really seen in like any other games so but yeah those are pretty much all I've been playing and uh I like the retro look going like seeing how you know games with like terrible graphics you know have gone into the next generation and hopefully now that Bethesda's done uh with Skyrim and stuff they're working on Fallout 4 and I'll be able to get that at some point how about you Gary uh, me, um, I've been playing a mix of things. Um, I recently got into The Witcher 2, finally, because uh, awesome it's on game. like my list of games I need to beat. So uh, I've been playing that. Yeah, so from the very start of the game, um, it's very difficult to get into. But, you know, once you get past... Yeah, it's got a, a huge learning curve, basically. But once you get past the initial stage, I recommend doing the um, the tutorial phase because you know that will teach you how to play the game but once you get past that the story gets very deep and it just draws you in and now i think i'm probably going to continue playing that game until i do actually beat it i'm not sure how long it is but um yeah i've been wanting to beat it for a while and you know seeing the witcher 3 at e3 just made me want to do it even more so all right colton i know that you've played the game Okay. I was actually, Have you played the first one though? The Witcher one, yes. Okay, collectible so, sex card game, definitely. All right. <laughs> so I have a question then. I've played probably I don't know five to six hours of The Witcher one. I could not get into it. I did not like that game. Really? You didn't like? Like right, was I it didn't... juggling the styles or like? Yeah, it was the combat system that got on my nerves to no end. I I found it boring and unengaging. So yeah. I'm wondering, like, would I like The Witcher 2? Um, I think The Witcher, well, the Witcher 2 gets away with that, like, that style-fighting system. And, that, I mean, that was a huge hindrance. But uh, The Witcher 2 is more about just, like, you either use a silver sword for monsters or a normal sword for other enemies. You don't really have to do anything else like that. I think combat, personally, is very fluid. Uh, you can do a lot of cool things with... Uh, you're combining like a lot of your sword skills with a lot of the magic for some pretty cool effects. You can, you know, lay traps and stuff. So I don't know. I, I think that you would, if you didn't like the way combat was for the Witcher one, that you should still give the Witcher two a chance. Okay. That's kind of what I've heard. Uh, I originally got it, you know, months ago, probably during the winter sale. I think it was for yeah. like five, six bucks. So I it's enhanced edition, right? Right, right. It's, no, it's, it's high up on my list. To pl- I'm, I'm probably going to skip the first one. I'm just going to YouTube the plot. I'm going to just go to the second one, I think. And Yeah, oh, I ahead. actually played the first one as well. Um, I probably got about three, four hours in, and then I just really couldn't be bothered to finish it because it, it seemed it was so dated by that point. 
you know, yeah. when I tried to play it. When did y'all try to play it, though? Like, when, like, recently? Like a year ago, yeah. Oh, yeah, see, I tried to play it when it, like, came out, and, you know, okay. I was, like, in high school, and I wanted to look at boobies, and I liked collecting the cards, and I thought <laughs> this doll was a total baller. So I played all the way through it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, see, <laughs> I feel like it came out at that interesting point that was, like, the beginning of this generation almost, where games were, like, still kind of transitioning. And so the graphics are kind of at that midway point where it's not old enough to be like, oh, this is retro, but it's also not really current. So I don't know. Like, the presentation and the overall, like, I don't know, the game, for me, it's hard to play now. That's fair. I, I yeah. just love CD Projekt, though. i got to say that. I mean, have y'all both have y'all both seen The Witcher 2? Oh, like yeah, I, yeah. Gary, like, what would, how would you rate the graphics? Because I, like, I have it on the 360, oh. and I have to say, like, it is the best-looking 360 game by far. And I know it looks better on the computer, but Yo. it is amazing how they made it look on the 360. Like, amazing. Let me just say this. Like, I, I updated my GPU this week, right? Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I played the game before just to see how it looked on my old card. And, you know, now I've played it on my my gtx 770 it looks amazing like it yeah um oh my god it's one of the best looking games i have on steam right now hands down yeah what i did uh not too long ago around the time that i got it during the sale i looked up a trailer just to kind of just get a feel for it because i'd heard so many good things i'd skimmed reviews but i'd never seen it in action and i looked up uh, it was kind of a theatrical trailer but it was it you know the game doesn't have like much cg so it was all gameplay footage and stuff and oh my gosh, that that trailer got me so pumped for the game. And I haven't even played it yet. I just I looked I watched that trailer like once a month or a couple <laughs> times a month just to remind myself that I have to play it. And yeah, yeah uh, it's amazing. Like that's the one thing that is disappointing about Bethesda games to me is you know they're very immersive and whenever you play them you feel like you're in the world. But from like an epic presentation standpoint. There's not cutscenes or anything, which I kind of get disappointed by because sometimes I want that feeling that I'm doing something epic and I just want to yeah. watch awesome stuff on the screen. See, that's where CD Projekt has the edge because, you know, with The Witcher 3, it's like you get the openness and the freedom of Skyrim, but with the narrative that, you know, is associated with The Witcher. God, series. just he, the idea of that blows my mind. Yeah, I I think if, you know, the Elder Scrolls games had a better narrative, then, you know, they would be great games. But it's just, the story is so broken up, like... No, I still consider them great openness. games, but they yeah, get better. I mean, uh, they, they sacrifice a lot of the story for gameplay. Like, almost everything story-wise, like, Argonians allowed in, like, certain cities, and Kajik and the... They sacrifice a lot to the altar of, like, gameplay. They don't want anyone to feel like some they're being they're missing something because of any choices they made so it does kind of hurt the story and the fact that you know your choices really don't matter because they want to move you along anyway but at the same time it it does make the game more like casual friendly and helps a lot of people who normally couldn't play that kind of like big game to be able to get into it so i mean it's a double-edged sword really i think i agree uh, Gary, I actually have one uh, one more question about The Witcher, if you don't mind. Uh, yep. How far are you in it? Have you uh, had the choose? Because you know that like halfway in it, it's completely different both sides. Like, 
Oh, I'm it... really not that far in. I'm I'm at the part where uh, uh, you know the king. Yeah. He uh, you know, uh, basically Geralt has just escaped prison, and um, it's played the cutscene with the guy who uh, I don't want to spoil it for David. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, basically he just escaped, so I'm like a little bit after that. Oh, well, I'll just say that, like, it is one of the few games where they didn't cut corners. Like, if you make a decision that you think will, like, change everything and, like, change the direction of the game, a lot of, like, developers would be like, well, we can't have different storylines. That would be crazy. They actually do have, like, entirely divergent storylines where you will never go certain places and you have an entirely different story. And so it's I, I think it's worth playing twice because, like, they're completely different. And, um... Uh, I was only gonna ask, gonna ask something else, but uh, I don't know if you can comment. Like, wait. So I have a question. Yeah. Then, when you say they're completely different, do you mean it's different color beams, like in Mass Effect Three? Or... No, no. I mean, like, okay, like a, a very vague example is like when you get the Ultimate Edition, it comes with like a guidebook that takes you through the chapters, and like it splits halfway in the middle. So you have an entire story where you join one side and you actually do all this stuff and you make friends and do all this other things. And then there's another side where you go to another place and you're on the other side. And like, I don't mean like different means. I mean like two different games that they are fully fleshed out, have fully good endings and everything. In fact, the enhanced edition, the reason they put it out is because one side did not have as much. And they felt that they were cheating their consumers, so they went back and added. So both sides were just as beefy and had just a, you know as good of a story. Oh wow! So yeah, I mean, I when I mean that like it has a divergent storyline, I mean like completely different story, completely fleshed out, and it's great. What will be interesting is like I'm really surprised it got away with a lot of things. There are some like really graphic sex scenes in it that I just would not expect to be okay nowadays. So when y'all get into that, I would like be interested in like talking to you, like why you think that that's allowed when they like had like cough coffee and all like for like, <laughs> like there's like a sex game yeah. where you do that. But in this game, like there's like full penetration. You're in a bathhouse. You're ramming her from behind and she magically wow. dissolves her clothes and you're, she's just screaming your name in this like rose garden and stuff. And that's just one. Like, in The Witcher 1, there was, like, these card games, and it faded to black. This does not fade to black. So, it is weird. I guess maybe because it's not as popular or in the highlight, but, like... All I know is I got wood when I saw Triss at the start. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you will be very, well, <laughs> very happy and well-rewarded. All right, I'm excited now. <laughs> But I think that um, once I beat The Witcher 2, I'm probably going to go back and beat the first one. Because I forgot to mention as well, but when I did play The Witcher 1, I was actually playing on a laptop. And it really wasn't as enjoyable as it would be on you know my computer now. The computer that I have now. So I probably will go back to The Witcher 1 just to you know see how that game plays out. I've said that enough times about games to know that I'm not going to. I'm probably just going to YouTube the... The plot to get an idea before I play the second one. That would be a lot of YouTube, man. It's like first one's like sixty hours long. <laughs> well, yeah, I know I'm gonna get a very general thing. I've already did a little googling, and there's some YouTube channels that have you know ten to fifteen minute kind of summaries of the plot and stuff. Uh. All right, so next, I guess we can move into our convention talk. Um, there's two that have been attended since our last episode. 
I guess, Gary, you've already kind of touched on some stuff, and we can link your previews in the text of the podcast, but just kind of talk about E3. I think this was your second time, right? Uh, no, this is my third time. Oh, oh I well, hate you, dude. Well. <laughs> I hate you so much. I just wanted to go on record that I was accepted and I was going to get to go, but I felt so bad for the other people that hadn't gone. I let them go. That's not the real reason, but... <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about next year, though, because uh, there's a lot of new staff at the Coalition who wants to go, and I feel like, because I've been so many times, that, you know, I, maybe next time I probably shouldn't go, but I want to meet David, though. Exactly. I'm all that matters. <laughs> Put the team on my back. <laughs> but, yeah, as far as E3, um, you know, if you want to get my thoughts on the games I played, just te- check out our preview section on the website. But what I wanted to um, really dig into was, you know, I'm a big Square Enix fan. So, you know, Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts was announced at the Sony conference. So I want to know what your guys' reactions was to that. Well, 15, I wasn't surprised about at all. I think pretty much anyone that was, you know, in tune with what was going on pretty much expected them to rebrand that game. Um, I'm kind of intrigued to see how gameplay works because... It looked like you just played a cutscene the entire time, which isn't bad. I mean, that could be awesome if it works, but I don't know. It, it looks kind of even Wait, more. Which game? Uh, 15, Kingdom Hearts. Or? Fifteen. Yeah, it's because um, it's it's actually the Kingdom Hearts team that's um, creating that, and the the combat is going to be more like Kingdom Hearts. And the whole reason it was called Versus Thirteen in the first place was because it was supposed to be, you know a game that goes alongside 13 in that universe, but the combat system was supposed to be, like, fully real-time, like, action. So, you know, the the combat system isn't traditional, and that's why they named it Versus. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it works. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely eager to learn more about, you know, how the combat plays out and uh, whether you can level up and do all that stuff even though there's it's not going to be turn based yeah it should be interesting to see because even 13 you know it's active turn based but it's still turn based you know and it's kind of similar with 12 so it's going to be interesting to see how they make that transition to almost a totally different system yeah I think it'll also be interesting to see how well people take it because a lot of people are very traditional when it does come to like Final Fantasy, which is why they didn't like Thirteen. We were yeah. About so I think it's really going to be like some fans are going to be like, "What the hell," and other people are going to be like, "Just chill." So I, I'm I'm interested in seeing that. I mean, I think they can fully have a a real time and do it well. I'm not like worried about that. I would be more worried about how people take it. Yeah, I think seeing... I think it will get more people into into the franchise. To be honest. Yeah, I think it has the potential to, but they also just have the fact that it's the labeling, you know, of calling it Final Fantasy XV is going to turn off people that have never played Final Fantasy because they're just going to think, oh, God, another Final Fantasy game. I don't want to play that. So it's going to be about their marketing, I think, and how they present the game. Because there's still people who don't know that um, there's a new story in every Final Fantasy game. Which is atrocious. Like Like Jenny, (laughs) for example. (laughs) She just recently found this out. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Like, 
I would be skeptical if this was years and years ago before I had played Kingdom Hearts. But after seeing what they could do with a real-time battle system in that game, I don't really have any doubts. Yeah, I mean, there's all good and well to like trying to get new people in, and you need to always need to get you know new people in. But I I'm always wary about when a developer kind of does it at the expense of their hardcore fans, because those are the people who are going to buy it pretty much no matter what. So I guess you really don't have to cater to them, but you know it's still kind of a D move. I don't know. Yep, I fully admit that I'll buy the game no matter what, even if like it comes out that. Game is the worst game ever made. I'm still buying it because it's Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate, I hate that I do yeah. that. But I do that for so many things. It's terrible. Yep. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, one thing, uh, going back to Lightning Returns, actually, uh, one thing that I'm confused about is why they didn't just call it Final Fantasy 13 3. That's a um, Like, why not just keep I, it consistent? Because, I mean, it doesn't even have Final Fantasy as the leading title, it's like a subtitle now. Yeah, I guess they didn't want to turn people off because um, there were a lot of complaints that, you know, they are continuing to to create sequels for for this game that's not even highly praised, you know, in the Final Fantasy series. But saying that, Lightning was kind of a popular character and one of the main complaints about 13.2 was that she wasn't in it enough. So, you know, I guess they kind of just wanted to flip the third one and say, okay, this is all lightning. And they wanted to make that clear in the title. So maybe that was their thought on it. Yeah, man, I I remember back in the old days where they, like, said that they would never make a sequel to a Final Fantasy game. Every one would be new. And then they kind of broke it with uh, Dirge of Cerberus, wasn't it called? It was like a sequel to, like a semi sequel to Final Fantasy VII, and then it kind of exploded. Well, and they did it for like Final Fantasy X and all that. Yeah, didn't Ten Two come out before that PSP game? Maybe it did. I don't. I really. I, it probably did. I'm sure it did because the PSP uh, came out like right before the PS3, and the X2 came out during the PS2 life cycle. Yeah, it did. Um, they're gonna do the same thing for Fifteen as well, I believe. I think that's gonna be a trilogy. I don't really, I mean, it doesn't bother me really because it seems like their teams are so big now that it's not like we have to wait three or four years to get another game and it just so happens to be a a sub-sequel. You know, they're still cranking out stuff that's pretty high quality regardless. So, I mean, it doesn't bother me really. Like, I'll I'll play 15.2 and 15.3, and then by the time, you know, 15.3 is done, they'll probably be working on another trilogy or the... 14 will be an even better MMO, or Kingdom Hearts is going to have more games, and I don't have a problem with it at all. My only gripe is that um, I think what happens is when they make the sequels, they don't dedicate enough time to the narrative, so the story is never as epic as the first one. Right, um, right. I would definitely agree. Yeah. It's more about recognition. Like, like when sequels get along in a lot of games, it's more about just having, like, a check mark of, like, ooh, uh, a guest appearance from someone from earlier games or making winks and nods and more about, like, the characters rather than continuing the story. So, Well, this is pretty good transition, though, to uh, two little quick news topics. First is that whenever you pre-order Lightning Returns, apparently there's an outfit for Lightning to have Cloud's outfit. Cool. Speaking of references, winks and nods. 
Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. It's kind of, I mean, it, I feel like if they want the universes to stay separate, just leave them separate. Like, I mean, this is clearly just like a little marketing ploy, though, to be like, hey, you can look like Cloud. Remember that game with yeah. Cloud? People like that game. Cloud, hey, Cloud. Yeah, I think it's just really a side thing, you know, just to get people to pre-order. Um, yeah, I don't think it's like a major deal or anything. Oh, um, no. It's just because, you know, they've already said that costumes are going to play a big part in Lightning Returns, and there's all these different costumes that you can collect that do different things. Yeah, that's a good thing, because so, that's one thing I am kind of hate about current-gen turn-based RPGs. You never see any equipment change except for, yeah. like, the sword. And yeah. it's always been really frustrating. That's one reason why I really like Dragon Quest Nine on the DS. Like, that was a small-scale turn-based RPG in terms of platform, but it was a huge game, and every piece of equipment you saw changed on your character. And it was... I always love that kind of stuff. So I think it would be cool to have different costumes and that kind of thing, because whenever you're playing a JRPG for 50, 60 hours, it gets boring to see the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is just like a kind of like, you know, a nod to like people who have been with the series. Because I think any of the new people they go and bring in aren't going to know who really Cloud is. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's why it's a pre-order thing. Because the only people that are going to pre-order are ones that are Final Fantasy fans anyway. Yep. And so, I'm sure you, I know you know all about this, Colton. Final Fantasy X and X2 are getting a re-release. Yep. I'll finally and play Final Fantasy X, so... You haven't? No! T- uh, well, Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, I really haven't. All I right, had a friend right, in Gary, college who tried to... this recording. We're starting <laughs> over without him on the podcast. He's wow. no longer right. welcome. <laughs> well, to be fair, I played like halfway through it, but, you know. No, no. <laughs> now, that's good, though. It's yeah. good that you'll finally get to, because it's by far... It's my favorite like turn-based rpg of all time yeah um, i gotta confess um i actually got impatient and i started playing it again last week because you know i have the ps2 copy and i have a ps3 that plays ps2 games so i started playing it again and i remember you know just how much i love that game and it's definitely my favorite one so would you Um, say it's aged well because i haven't played it in a long time it has and and you know what? Um, at E3, I actually saw the the HD remake, and it looks amazing. Like it looks nothing like a PS2 game. Oh, nice. It looks like it looks like a current gen game. See, that's what I was hoping for because they've been working on this forever. It seems like so. It's good to know that all that time's paying off. Yeah, they really put in a lot of work on this. And see, I never played X2 though. I stayed very far away from it. So this will give me a chance to finally play that. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I think I got um, right to the end, but I never actually beat the final boss. But I think I watched it on YouTube or something, what happens. Oh, yeah, and speaking of outfits, don't they have different outfits in that game, too? Is that kind of part of the combat yeah, yeah. system? Yeah. Yeah, I always got the impression that that game was just like a bunch of fan service. Is it? It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it really it didn't need to exist. <laughs> All right, yeah, but did you know, I think I told Gary about this, I don't know if you know, Colton, that they're adding a, like, 30 to 40-minute epilogue uh, scene that's going to be part of the the bundle on PS3. Like, you'll get to watch this video that is kind of like an epilogue that takes place after the two games. But 
exist. I don't. I see. I've watched like our. I've watched a friend of mine, uh, Hunter, play it. Like all, like so I know all the story and stuff. But this, like, spoiler or whatever. Like in the end, isn't it like certain people not real and stuff? So. Well, yeah, that's the ending for X. But this is like an epilogue for the entire like X saga that people have oh. seen before. It's just like you know some extra stuff. So like like what would it be? Just like explaining like what happens to certain people or I have no idea. What happens? To I haven't played X two, so I'm not really sure. I don't want to spoil it for you guys then. Uh, but, does does X two yeah. like end it? Um, like does, is it a good ending for the series or because you said it just shouldn't exist? Does it not? Does it uh, add to the just, story? Let's just say it's a happy ending, but I kind of wish they didn't do it. Oh okay. That's yeah, because I love the ending to X. That's like my favorite game ending of all time. Yeah. That's on the level of like Fight Club. You and Fight Club, man. I still need to watch that, by the way. You haven't watched Fight Club and hear you're, con- <laughs> you're bad-mouthing me for not finishing Final Fantasy X? Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm not doing a movie podcast right now. <laughs> oh, oh. Got you there. Got Ouch. you there. <laughs> so, I guess our last... Um, little quick topic here is uh, Neverwinter. I've already talked about it some. You should go read my review because it's awesome and it's a great game. Um, have you had a chance to play it yet, Colton? I know you're a big MMO player, a big D&D fan, so it seems like the perfect game for you. Yeah, see, I just recently learned from you because I hadn't really been uh, keeping up with it because I already have enough paid MMOs because I thought it was a paid MMO until you told me otherwise. And I had been staying away from any news of it because I knew it's something I would really like, and but I just didn't want another expense. So, I well, I haven't not unfortunately tried it yet. I'm I'm probably gonna try to get it uh, and start playing it very soon. I just have to break my addiction from other games I'm playing. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's see before I played it, I never really liked the hub system that was in MMOs. Lately, yeah. like Guild Wars and D&D Online and Vindictus and a bunch of other games have that hub system where it doesn't really even feel like an MMO. But this one is like a hybrid. So there's the main hub, and then there's several zones outside of that where there are enemies, and you can run into other players. And then, but the majority of like the actual quests take place inside the instances. So they kind of do a hybrid system, and it works pretty well. For, like, the combat, I mean, I know you, like, you know, have done reviews on it and stuff, but just, like, a quick thing, like, is it, would you say it's very different from other MMOs, or is it kind of cookie-cutter with a different No, No, it's very different. It's crosshair-based aiming, and your at-will abilities are on your left and right mouse button, encounters are, like, Q and E and R, and then your dailies is, like, your daily ability is on number, it's, like, number one. Oh, that's so, awesome. So they're using, like, 4th edition rules. And yeah, that's, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the classes and, like, even your, like, passive abilities, you know, like, dwarves have cast iron stomachs. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and so whenever you're a guardian, you have a shield that you can put up and block with, and there's, like, a shield meter that breaks it down, and you can build it back up with certain abilities, and you have, like, all the threat you have to manage, and it's it's they did a good job of adapting the 4th edition rule set to a game. Uh, Yo, um, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> no, it's fine, man. I, we, we, you can go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I'm still a, a D and D noob, kind of. So what's a um, a daily or whatever you called it? Oh, okay, yeah. So whenever you play the actual tabletop game, 
your um, yeah. abilities are separated into different types. You have your at-will abilities that can be used um, on any turn. So any time that you can attack, you could use an at-will. Then you have an encounter abilities. It can only be used once per encounter. And then you have dailies, which can only be used, you know, once a day, essentially. But you can you can regain them some different ways, but they're basically once a day. And so the way that they translated that to the game is at wills or any time, encounters are on a cooldown, and dailies are you have to build up your action point meter, and then you can use a daily when that's full. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they... You know, they kept the same flavor, I guess, but then they translated it to a game, which is awesome because most D&D games, they just try to translate it directly, and uh, it plays so slow and sluggish and boring in a game setting. So I'm glad they took some liberties with how they translated the rules. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like when you play, like, you know, you know, the tabletop version, you really have to have friends there and have laughs and stuff to keep it moving. So it is right. good. It's a little faster pace. Uh, just like one question, though. Um, you know, like it has skill checks and other things like that in uh, the game, and the player kind of like helps flow and has different choices. Um, is it? Would you say that that's something that you can do? Like do you like train certain skills and you can do like skill checks, or is it just kind of like a narrative you – you know, combat through. Uh, like I've seen in dungeons and stuff, there. Like for example, I'm a guardian fighter, and I'm a half elf. So, like when it comes to dungeoneering type things, like finding passageways in dungeons, I can do that just automatically. But then if I would play with a, like a mage, for example, then you know, like if I had like a religion ability, I could read a book and get some knowledge from it. But you can also purchase kits that let you do that. As well, like thievery kits and you know religion kits and all that different kind of stuff. And, but then whenever it comes to just like ad libbing or like you know kind of like you're talking about um, influencing the story and stuff, there's not really any of that too much. Um, but the way that it makes up for it, I feel like, is the foundry where players can make their own quests. Yeah. And there's some like really good ones there. <laughs> It's really surprising. At first, it was kind of meh, you know, because it was very early on and people were still trying to get the hang of it. But now there's some of the quests are, you know, on the same level as the game's, like, actual quests. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Have you, did you ever play Neverwinter Nights? Yeah, yeah, a bit. I never got too bunch into it, but the community has always been really good. Yeah, the community always made the best stories and stuff. So it's I really hope a lot of those people and I bet they did, you know, moved into that. So there'll be some awesome quests. That's cool. Yeah, but then besides all that, I mean it's your fairly typical MMO. There's you know, most of the quests just revolve around, you know, going through a dungeon, killing stuff, talking to people, that kind of thing. There's mounts you can get for running around in cities, there's um, you know, you can buy XP boosters and there's all different kinds of stuff that, you know, it's still definitely an MMO, but they did a really good job. So is the cash shop yeah. just like, you know, XP boosters and stuff like that? Because I know you were saying that you don't need, and it's not through in your face. Is it just that kind of stuff, just a little, like, like helping with help with grinding, or...? Uh, that's kind of where I have some concerns. Uh, stuff seems really overpriced, um, like mounts and stuff, or, you know... Twenty plus dollars, twenty five, yeah. thirty dollars. Um, you can buy companions in the cash shop, like different skins and stuff too. Um, there's there's quite a few different things you can get. 
And there's this stuff called Astral Diamonds, which can be used for in-game stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's an area of a little concern, but as of now, it doesn't ruin anything. And one thing that's really cool is the way they did in-game content. Instead of it just being PvP or something, they did this hybrid system called the Gontelgrim, which you probably know what that is just from playing D&D and yeah. lore and stuff. So the first phase of it, you get split into two teams, 20 people each. Each team goes through the PvE phase. Whoever you know finishes it first gets a, um, a buff for the second phase, which is a 20v20 PvP battle. Then the winner of that phase goes on to the Gontelgrim dungeon that gets, like, at the end you get a chest that has, like, the best equipment in the game. The winner of, or the loser of phase two goes to a lower tier dungeon that has less, you know, less high equipment. So it's like a long, you know, kind of like marathon of content that you can do when you're level 60. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. No, the reason I asked is because one of the things I don't like about free-to-play games is that in the beginning, sometimes the cash the cash shop, anytime a cash shop has like things that lower grind, as the game gets older and progresses, most of the time they make the grind bigger and make it take longer, so people are incentivized more to buy things like that. So I was just wondering like if that was there, because that's always a concern of mine, is that you know they want some extra money, so they're going to make it you know more XP to each level, so you'll need to buy you know some boosters. Yeah, I guess time will tell, because the game's been out for less than a month, so... Yeah. All right, so, I don't know if Gary's still alive. Do you have any comments? No, I, I remember playing the beta, and, you know, I played a few missions or quests, and um, I really liked it because it reminded me of uh, Dragon Age, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Dragon Age. And as you explained to me before, you know, Dragon Age was kind of going to be like a new Neverwinter game anyway but then they changed it into Dragon Age. So Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Like, they I originally not. started working on Neverwinter Nights 2, but then Atari, um, you know, Atari and Bioware don't get along anymore. And that's yeah. around the time that all went down. So then they just decided to change. They kept the same system they were working on, but then just made a new IP and called it Dragon Age. But Dragon Age was originally going to be Neverwinter Nights 2. They had started working on it that far back. That's amazing. It, it explains a lot of the system. Like I, I, I agree with Gary. I love Dragon Age. I'm holding it in my hands right now. Uh, I love <laughs> Dragon Age to pieces. Uh, it's amazing, and it's and that's actually really impressive that they uh, added their own lore and all this backstory when eventually, when originally it was supposed to be just another game. So yeah, that's really cool. Definitely. But yeah, I mean that, that's one of the main reasons I really want to get into this because you know it plays a lot like Dragon Age. It reminds me of it. So um, I think that's the main thing that's drawing me into it even more. And, you know, hopefully um, once I get into it, I'll understand the whole D&D side of things a lot more. Yep. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything. We just had two more quick things that we wanted to cover for this episode. Uh, First is a quick discussion topic. It's a new segment we're going to start doing at the end. Uh, We're just going to kind of just briefly discuss things and then try to get our listeners to chime in on their experiences for the discussion. Um, for this first one we're going to do is uh, what is the worst game that you've ever played ever in your entire life? Um, so I guess I'll go first. For me, it's a tie, sort of. The for My first answer would be Superman 64. That game's kind of notorious for being really bad. And 
you know, that's one of those games that it's borderline broken. Like, it just, it's almost unplayable. And, I mean, whenever I was younger and I played it, it I really wanted to love it because it was Superman. But, you know, just playing the game was almost painful. And, yeah, that, that, that one's always kind of stuck with me as, like, one of the worst games I've ever played. But then there's another game that I just recently started playing that I'm reviewing that is probably the worst game I've ever played. So you'll see the review for that probably this coming week. And, okay. Yeah, I don't want to say any more about it because my review is going to be very detailed. And, yeah, but it's it's bad. <laughs> Colton, you go next. Okay, well, it's a super easy uh, choice for me. I have to say Sea Monsters, a prehistoric adventure for the Wii U. I mean, for the Wii. Um, <laughs> it was made by the National Geographic. You know, those wonderful game developers, them. So, you know. And uh, it is pretty much the worst game in every aspect you could ever imagine. Not only is it not entertaining, but it's like edutaining it's supposed to be like you know educational as well which is stupid and terrible because it's like five lines but pretty much you just kind of like you turn on the game you push start and you're just thrown in an ocean that uh is about the size of probably my living room uh with land on it and you are a fish and you fly and you swim around because you're this giant prehistoric monster and you uh go to these green clouds and then you go to these blue clouds and then you collect fossils and you learn about how fossils are and then you uh, if you collect enough fossils you get to be another fish and you get to fly around like that fish and uh, there's a combat system where you can like fight other fish as this fish but it doesn't work and uh, pretty much you just like ram no matter what you are. Like, you could be fighting this, like, Megalodon, and you're, like, a little crab, and you're just ramming him to death. So it's a lot less sexual than it sounds, by the way. Um, but I'm curious, why did you ever play this? I got it as a gift. Uh, my my mother uh, has a boyfriend and his mom. Uh, thought, oh, I'll give, you know, the kids a game for Christmas. And uh, she bought that brand new, fifty nine ninety nine. Didn't have the receipt, so I tried it out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's terrible. It looks terrible. Um, when you when sometimes when you're playing, your your the monster's head like just flies off, and you're just controlling this head, which is a little cool. But yeah, um, there. I mean, I know I'm not saying a whole lot about it just because there's nothing. I literally said you just you're a fish and you fly around. I mean, that's it. Sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sounds better than Halo. <laughs> 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 okay, um, for my pick, I'm going to choose Action 52. Um, good choice, good choice. <laughs> which was released for the the NES and the Sega Genesis. And it's basically 52 games in one. And it retailed for like $200. <laughs> and the, the quality of the games themselves was just abysmal. Um, and uh, they, they reused a lot of assets into each game and you know a lot of them are broken so you can't even like play them properly and yeah it's just terrible i mean it, if you want to know more about it you can look at um the angry video game nerds review of it he does like a playthrough of it and it's just terrible it's the worst thing ever created um 
they had this whole thing called Cheetah Men, which was supposed to be like the main cell of the game, yeah. and it was supposed to be their version of the uh, of Ninja Turtles. So they basically, you know, wanted to rival Ninja Turtles with this game, but it was just terrible. terrible. I can't even explain how bad it is. Yeah, you, yeah the you crazy thing to... about that game was it was, you know, it's supposed to be like 52 different games or whatever. But yeah. whenever each game felt like a half-finished idea for a mechanic of an overarching bigger game. Yeah. Wait, okay. So, like, there would be a game that would, you know, I can't remember any names right now, but it would be called, like, Space Shooter. And you would fly a ship around, and half the time your ship might, like, disappear or glitch through a wall. And then, you know, you would shoot bullets that would work half the time, and then you'd have, like, the same enemy on the screen, one level. And that was a game, according to Action 52. Okay, I have a question. Were, were they, like, old games collected, or was it, like, 52 new IPs that they just threw together? Just 52 new IPs, basically, or their, their own <laughs> version of... They they basically rip off other games, or they try to anyway, but it just doesn't turn out good. Like I remember one driving game, and it's literally you just driving on the same road for like the whole thing. All right, here we go. I've, just... I've I found the game list. Let me give you some ideas here. There's one called Fire Breather, Star Evil. There is a Jupiter Scope, Silver Silver Sword, um, Thrusters. That sounds hot. Um, Crybaby. So, non-human. Rocket Jock. Mash Man. There's one just called Boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this... Like I said, it, it was like ideas for games that were rejected. Oh, wow. Basically. So- so you said that there was cheetah. It was cheetah men, like teenage mutant cheetah turtles or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, it was I mean, their attempt. It was their attempts to make something like Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Here, here's a picture. We should probably make this like the featured image of this podcast. Man. <laughs> they should have just gone with Street Sharks. That was the best teenage mutant ninja turtle ripoff ever. I buy Street Sharks the game. I would. I remember Street Sharks. You should play Sancho the Third. There's basically like Street Sharks content in that game. Oh, really? Yeah, you get like a power up that like turns you into a Street Shark. Okay, well I'll buy that. I need to buy Last of Us, but dude, you've been needing to play Sancho the Third. I remember when I originally played it, you came over, and yeah. I was playing the Tron levels, and I got like the different abilities and stuff. That was sick. I love the and Tron. here's a here's a picture of the Street Shark stuff. But yeah, so. Anyways, Cheetah Men. It also reminds yeah. me of a Thundercat, but a ninja version. <laughs> a ninja Thundercat? That sounds, but see, it sounds cool on paper. Oh it my does. god, wow, Cheetah Men. <laughs> One's even smoking, that's so edgy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hardcore, it even has goggles. Is that a woman? Is that a female Cheetah? It's Cheetah oh, yeah, Men. Well, I didn't know if it was like, you know. So I was wondering if they would have six nipples or two. I'm always interested in that every time I hear about cat people in the media. <laughs> Anyways, I think that wraps up episode 19 of Turn-Based. Uh, the last thing is that we have not forgotten, if you've been listening, we are still working on Operation Red Panda. Um, more details will come soon, hopefully, but it, it is coming.
So if you would like to see more, then you should comment and let us know, and maybe that will motivate us. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up episode 19. Yeah, so, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll have you back again. I hope so. Maybe once you play Final Fantasy X. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later, guys.